Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit us at BibleStudy.ASBZone.com, where you can find links to our previous episodes and various Bible study resources. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into this study. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your goodness and your love. We thank you for your promises, and we ask that you will grant unto us wisdom and understanding as we enter into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's study is entitled, The Differences Between the Old and New Covenants. And our passage for this study comes to us from Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 33. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband to them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts, and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Okay, as always, we read from the King James Version. So we're going to talk about the differences between the Old and New Covenants. For the second quarter of 2021, our lesson study was about the Everlasting Covenant. So we actually covered these topics that we're going to go over here briefly in quite a bit of depth over the course of 13 lessons. But there's a lot of controversy associated with the covenants. People have all sorts of interesting non-biblical ideas about them, and it behooves us to provide a succinct overview of the difference between the covenants with links to the more in-depth studies. Now, a few years back, I had put together a, um, a little graphic that has a summary of this information, and we're going to use that graphic, and we'll link to that graphic, actually, as well. But what we want to, to do is provide a, a synopsis here of the differences between the covenants, an understanding of why the covenants are named the way they're named, and then lead into deeper study for those who want to, to go there, who desire to go there. The covenants are named old and new kind of counterintuitively. The original covenant given to Adam and Eve in the garden and the original covenant given to Abraham, right? We tend to pay attention to the fact that from the time of Abraham, it's the covenant given to Abraham, 
and it's the inheritance associated with, with Abraham. But the fact is that the covenant was given to Adam and Eve in the garden the moment that God goes in there to deal with them about them eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So that is the original covenant. It's the first covenant. But it is not called the old covenant. And the reason it is not called the old covenant is because by the time we get to Sinai and God goes to reiterate the covenant with his people that he had made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the people decide that they are going to um, agree to fulfill the pledge of this covenant. And that covenant gets ratified by the between God and the people. And because it is ratified first, it is called the Old Covenant. In Jeremiah, in the verses we read, God comes and says, I'm going to do a new covenant because the people broke the Old Covenant. And I'm going to do a new covenant where I make the promises. And that covenant, which was the original covenant, is ultimately ratified by Christ at the cross. So the first reason why the Old Covenant is called Old is because it is ratified first. The New Covenant is called New, even though it predates the Old Covenant, because it is ratified second. Okay, so that's the naming is important. But the party is the same party. You can see that in the language of Jeremiah. You can see that when Paul quotes it in Hebrews 8. The language is the same language. It's to the same people. In the Old Covenant, the first party is God. And we find that in Exodus 19, verse 3, and again in Exodus 24, verse 7. In the New Covenant, the first party of the covenant is also God. We see that in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 and 32, and in Hebrews 8, verse 10. The second party in the covenant is his people. We find that again, Exodus 19, 3, and Exodus 24, verses 3 and 7. That's how it's enumerated in the old covenant. In the new covenant, it's his people again. Right? It does say with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, but when you look at the duration of the covenant, he's talking about Israel in a primarily spiritual context, not a geographical or biological one. Because if it's a biological one, then the Gentiles have no covenant. Right? If it's strictly a biological one, the Gentiles have no covenant. But everybody points to the new covenant as being ratified by Christ and applying to the Gentiles. Therefore, it applies to God's people in a broad sense and not in a specific biological or limited biological sense or geographical sense for that matter. We've discussed all of that. All of the things that I'm pointing out here are discussed in way more detail in the other podcasts that we did on the lesson. But this is the summary. God and his people are parties one and two of both covenants. Here's the arrangement. We find in Exodus 19, 5 and 6, 
God said that if the people would obey God's voice and keep his covenant, they would be his special treasure and a nation of kings and priests. Okay? And as we studied, God has always, when he brought the covenant, insisted that if the people to whom he's making this covenant would, in fact, obey his voice, he would do awesome things for them. Okay. The arrangement for the new covenant says that God will write his law in the hearts of his people and will forgive their sins and will make them a special people forever. We find that in Jeremiah 31, 33, and 34. Okay. That's the arrangement of the covenant. We can see in the new covenant that God is more explicitly outlining his role, as he did in all of the other covenants. But he is more explicitly defining what he will do and why he will do it. That's the important thing about the Jeremiah 31 bit, because he shows that the people broke and therefore he had to, he's going to, when he does the covenant again with them, he's going to make it so that he is providing all of the power. The article, the articles of the covenant. For the first covenant, for the old covenant, I should say, God's law and all of his judgments. We can see that all of the things that are encapsulated in that, as part of that covenant, are found in Exodus 20 through 23. And Moses again reiterates that in Deuteronomy 4, verses 13 and 14. For the new covenant, the articles of the covenant are expressed in Jeremiah 31, 33 and 34, right? God says he will write his law in the hearts of his people. It's also reiterated in Hebrews 8, 8 through 12. Now, a lot of times people make the, the comment that, oh, the new covenant is about a different set of rules. God did these rules in the Old Testament, but Jesus did these rules in the New Testament, which is not a good conclusion to come to because A, the Son of God is also God, so he's not changing any of the rules. Bible is pretty clear. I am the Lord. I change not. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? Secondly, whoever you think God is in the Old Testament, whoever you think God is in Genesis, in Exodus 20, that's the same person speaking in Jeremiah 31 verses 31 through 33. That's the same person speaking. So whatever they define as laws in Exodus 20, they're defining as laws in Jeremiah 31. You don't get to change that. Right? A lot of times people, to make this simpler for them, they quote Hebrews 8. But, he, but in Hebrews, Paul is simply quoting Jeremiah. He's not inventing anything new. Okay. So the laws of the covenant are the same laws of the covenant. You can argue that the laws, and I'll, I'll bring this up, you could argue that the laws include the ceremonial laws, because if you look in, in, uh, in Exodus, you'll see that there were all of these judgments and statutes that were encapsulated in what the people agreed to. But Christ embodies the entire sacrificial system. So even if you wanted to make that argument in an attempt to make the, the sacrificial system continue on, Christ supersedes the sacrificial system because he is the antitype of the typical 
feasts and sacrifices. And that was by design. We have other um, podcasts that talk about that transition. But in any event, God's commandments are still God's commandments. So whatever you think, whatever you see there in Exodus 20, Jeremiah 31 indicates that it's part of the same, it's part of the new covenant as well. Now, the promise that was made for the old covenant, the people said in Exodus 24, 3 and 7, they also said in Exodus 19, all that the Lord hath said, we will do and be obedient. That was the promise that was made. Okay? And that promise was made by God's people. And then it was sealed by the blood of animals. We see that in Exodus 24, 8 and Hebrews 8, 19. But the promise that God makes now in the new covenant is I will put my law in their hearts. I will forgive their iniquity. We see that in Jeremiah 31, verse 34, Hebrews 8, verse 31, Hebrews 10, verse 16. That promise is made by God himself. And it is sealed with, ratified with, the blood of Jesus. That's mentioned in Hebrews 9, 12 and Hebrews 10, 19. Okay, so Old Covenant, same, the parties are the same, right? Parties are the same. The articles of the covenant are the same. The general intent of the covenant is the same. God wants to have a relationship with us to be our God and for us to be his people. But the promise made by the people in the old covenant, they broke. Promises made by God in the new covenant, and we know that he is faithful. So the difference is that the people broke the covenant, and God spells that out quite clearly in Jeremiah 31, 32, and Paul reiterates that in Hebrews 8, 9. The people broke it because they made, they, that covenant was, um, was enjoined upon them by their own promise and sealed with the blood of animals. The new covenant is based on God's promise and sealed by the blood of Christ. Okay, that's what the difference between the covenants are. You don't get to throw out the law because it is that law that is written upon our hearts in the new covenant. You throw out the law and you've broken the covenant too. You don't have a covenant. Right? Because from God's perspective, the covenant and its objective is to bind us, God and his people, in a relationship. And that covenant is based on obedience to him. If there's no agreement on what constitutes the covenant, then there's no covenant. Right? So it's important to understand what and when the covenant is. The other, the other thing, Paul goes into some detail about this, talks about the death of the testator. He talks about how things going, become in force when the testator dies. Understand this. All of the elements that make up the covenant must be in effect prior to the death of the testator. Because when he dies... It's all locked in. So, as the most obvious example and probably the most contested one, 
it is not possible to change the fourth commandment from the seventh day to any other day because that change would have to have been articulated by Christ prior to his death because once he dies, the will is locked in. Similarly, you see that Christ instituted a new ordinance, the ordinance of foot washing, the Last Supper, right? The foot washing and the and the uh, remembrance of me, the ceremony that remembers the breaking of the bread and the uh, and the drinking of the wine. He had to institute that before he died. He could not raise up from resurrection and say, hey guys, here's this other thing that's part of the whole, part of our arrangement. He couldn't. At death, whatever's in the will is permanent. Okay? So that's why he had to put that in place because it had already been prophesied that when he died, the sacrificial system was done because he's the anti-type for the sacrificial system. All of the feasts and ceremonies and ordinances associated with it went away at his death. But he put this one in effect first and specifically said, do this in remembrance of me. So he specifically enjoined it on the people, on his disciples, on his believers, on his, on his, uh, his family. He specifically enjoined it upon them for after he should die. Therefore, that ordinance is the only one that carries over because it was instituted to be carried over. All the other ones were already prophesied to be extinguished upon his death. And once he died, they were extinguished. That's another important consideration of the covenants, also known as the testaments. Okay, so the primary difference between the old and the new covenants are... The people broke the old one. The old one was based upon the people's promise to God. And the new one is based on God's promise to his people ratified by the blood of Jesus and not the blood of animals. Okay, we hope this has been helpful. Reiterate Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and goodness and love. We thank you for the covenant, and we thank you for the explanation that is provided in your word about the covenant. We ask you to help us as we study to apply wisdom. May your Holy Spirit help us to understand these things and their ramifications to us, and may we teach them correctly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. 
You can reach us via email at BibleQuestions at ASBZone.com. We look forward to hearing from you, whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns. We also recommend that you check out the True Wisdom Podcasts, in which my brother and I study God's Word in a discussion format. Both of these podcasts can be found on Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, or wherever you normally obtain your podcasts. Please don't forget to keep these ministries in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study and share His Holy Word. Amen.